This is A Quiet Simple Life, the podcast about creating a life filled with peace, understanding, joy, beauty, and faith. I'm Sally from sallyboring.com. If you are ready to pursue a quiet, simple life in your home, relationships, and homeschooling, then you are in the right place. This is episode three, Don't Raise Snowplowed Sauce Girls. Welcome friends, I'm glad you've joined me today for the next episode of the A Quiet Simple Life podcast. There's a lot of ways to communicate with children. Some kids respond well to a serious heart-to-heart talk. Some kids respond well to teachable moments on the fly in real time. And there are some who respond well to humor and using absurdity to make a point. And I've learned over time that using humor is a powerful tool uh, for making a point in parenting in our home. Over the years, we've had all sorts of little phrases and sayings and inside jokes that communicate an important truth or make a concept more easily understood or more relatable. Well, thanks to uh, an article from the New York Times recently, we have a very powerful phrase that we've been using a lot lately. It's from an article, uh, March 17th, 2019. The original title was The Unstoppable Snowplow Parent. The online version is How Parents Are Robbing Their Children of Adulthood with a subtitle, Today's Snowplow Parents Keep Their Children's Futures Obstacle-Free Even When It Means Crossing Ethical and Legal Boundaries. And as you can probably imagine, this article is partly in response to the college admittance scandal going on that involves a lot of high-profile people. Well, this article has some uh, real parenting and homeschooling gold nuggets in it. So let's take a look at it. So what are snowplow parents? Um, Quoting from the article... Helicopter parenting, the practice of hovering anxiously near one's children, monitoring their every activity, is so 20th century. Some affluent mothers and fathers now are more like snowplows, machines chugging ahead, clearing any obstacles in their child's path to success, though so they don't have to encounter failure, frustration, or lost opportunities. In the article, um, They talk with Madeline Levin, who is a psychologist and the author of Teach Your Children Well, Why Values and Coping Skills Matter More Than Grades, Trophies, or Fat Envelopes. And in the article, Dr. Levin says that she regularly sees college freshmen in her practice who have, quote, had to come home from Emory or Brown because they don't have the minimal kinds of adult skills that one needs to be in college, end quote. And there are examples in the article. One came home because there was a rat in the dorm room. Okay, I'm not really going to quibble with that. I'm not so sure I'd be happy about that either. But some didn't like their roommates, which I think is standard in a lot of college experiences. Others said it was too much work. They never had learned independent study skills. Um, Later in the article, there are more examples. Here is one from... Uh, Julie Lithcott-Hames, 
the former dean of freshmen at Stanford University and author of the book, How to Raise an Adult, Break Free of the Overparenting Trap and Prepare Your Kid for Success. Now, please note that we're talking about Stanford here, the same Stanford for which people would be willing to surrender a kidney if it guaranteed their admittance. The Stanford admittance rate is somewhere between 4.3 and 5%, depending on which article you look at online. So at Stanford, she said, she saw students rely on their parents to set up play dates with people in their dorm or complain to their child's employers when an internship didn't lead to a job. This now brings me to my very favorite anecdote from the article. This one goes back to Madeline Levin, the psychologist and author that I quoted earlier. From the article, I'm quoting, one didn't like to eat food with sauce. Her whole life, her parents had helped her avoid sauce, calling friends before going to their houses for dinner. At college, she didn't know how to cope with the cafeteria options covered in sauce, end quote. So according to the psychologist, this sauce thing was such a problem, the girl dropped out of college. And if I'm reading the article correctly, she didn't just drop out of college, she dropped out of a prestigious college to which I'm assuming she worked incredibly hard to gain admission. So, you know, I'll be honest, we had a good laugh about this in our home. I shared the highlights of the article with my husband and my daughter who is 12. And I asked Caroline if uh, she would want me to come along to college and set up her play dates. The answer was a resounding no, because even at 12, she can see how ridiculous that is. But I mean, seriously, think about how absolutely ludicrous that sounds even coming out of my mouth, that there are parents from Stanford who set up play dates for their kids. But that's the point we've reached in parenting in this culture. So we laughed about it, but it also inspired a new phrase in our parenting. And this has already been said many times in our house since we first read this article a few weeks ago. There are no snowplowed sauce girls in this house. And we use this frequently and Caroline understands what it means and why we say it. She understands um, the motivation behind it because we've talked about it at length. I absolutely refuse to fail my child in this way. I'm human. I certainly fail as a mother. I'm not doing everything perfectly, but this is one way I refuse to fail my child. I refuse to allow her to get to the age of 18 where she cannot cope with the most basic of things. So where did these parents fail their children and how do we avoid making the same terrible mistakes. I mean, don't be fooled. We can each do the same thing in our own way. We don't have to be pushing our child to the Ivy League or Stanford to ruin her life. So, you know, let's look at Sauce Girl. Um, Perhaps she had a legitimate medical need. It doesn't say so, but maybe she had a true medical problem like serious food allergies or something. Did they talk to the college to explore options? Did they um, find out what the cafeteria options were going to be? Like, is there a separate cafeteria for people who have food allergies? Um, Was living off campus an option so she could uh, cook her own food? Um, Did they involve their doctor? If it was a legitimate medical need 
and she gained admittance or was trying to gain admittance, I would think the college would work with her on this. So apparently, if it is a legitimate need, they did not do that. Does she have genuine food aversions that have like a psychological or physical basis? Maybe she does. Those are legitimate things. But how did they try to prepare her for this? Apparently they didn't. Or is she just a picky eater? And it's fine to be a picky eater. I've written about the picky eaters in our home. There are two. But shouldn't the parents at some point have told their daughter that she's going to have to navigate the real world of eating without them, that they can't call up the cafeteria every day and warn them not to serve sauce like they did apparently with all their family friends for 18 years? So whatever the reason for this issue, they did not help prepare their daughter for eating away from home. And so she dropped out of college because of sauce on foods. So what is the answer? You know, I'm, I'm guessing most of us are sitting here thinking, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do this to my kid, but what is the answer and how do I you know, look at my own life and my own parenting and not make a similar mistake, but just in a different way. Well, it is really about making choices every day. It's about slowly and steadily preparing our kids, gradually giving them more responsibility and letting them fail fairly regularly in a way that will teach them something valuable, but doesn't destroy their life. So I do think parents tend to fall in one ditch or the other. Some parents are too demanding and some aren't demanding enough. So are there parents who are too demanding with little ones? Yes, absolutely. There are parents who don't understand child development. Um, They don't understand that a three-year-old is not capable of abstract thought um, and it impacts their ability to parent effectively. You know, that's a whole nother discussion for another day, but... There are parents who do expect too much from their little ones, and that's a problem. There are parents who aren't willing to work with who their child really is. Every child is an individual and has their own individual bent, the way they were created, the way they're wired. And, you know, for us, we've learned that laughter and humor works well. That may not work well for your child. You know, he or she might feel like he or she is being laughed at all the time. That wouldn't work. Humor works extremely well in our family. So you have to know your child and know what works. And then be willing to work with who your child is. I think a lot of what drives um, this demand to meet expectations is driven by fear. I think um, parents are afraid of being seen poorly by their peers Um, whether it's peers at soccer or peers at school or whatever it is. Um, In my own life, I think this is especially true in certain homeschooling circles, in certain Christian circles. There are expectations um, that as a parent, your children should act a certain way or achieve certain things. And so parents are driven by fear. They're afraid of their child missing out. They want the best for their child, and if they don't get their child enrolled in the right preschool before they even conceive that child, then their life is over. 
Um, so I think a lot of it is, is driven by fear and trying to meet the expectations of others. I think it's really important that we give kids time to grow up. You know, maybe you aren't enrolling your child for preschool before you conceive like some people are, but you still might be worried about getting everything done as soon and as early as possible. And I'd like to suggest a different tactic of allowing children to be children. Let them do things when they're ready. We had many opportunities with this. Um, Probably the best one I can share is the binky. Um, Our daughter loved the binky a lot. And it got to the point I was ready to be done with the binky. I was tired of hurting binkies and buying binkies and watching her chew up binkies, but she was not ready to give it up. And I thought, you know, she's not going to be sucking at a binky when she's seven. She's not going to be sucking at a binky when she's six. She won't be using one when she's five, and she probably won't be using one when she's four. She's going to give it up when she's ready, and she did. And when it was time, it took a few days, and it was over. Um, It just wasn't a battle worth fighting. And so we need to give kids time to grow up. We need to work with their natural bent, let them be who they are, and um, not worry about getting everything done as quickly and as early as possible or according to the schedule in some parenting book or some parenting blog or some parenting guru. So yes, I do think some parents expect too much. They're kind of on the opposite end of the snow plowing. They don't uh, do enough maybe to allow their child to have time. But there are plenty of others who snow plow. And um, I think homeschooling is one area where we can become snow plow parents. Um, developing everything the way they want it. You know, a lot of homeschooling is driven by, you know, meeting the child where she's interested and there's delight, delight, delight directed homeschooling. There's relaxed homeschooling, which is what we've been. And I think there's a lot of value to that, working with what the child's interested in. But there also has to be, I think, a balance and For me, this is one of the reasons I could never fully embrace unschooling as much as I liked it. Um, The way my child was wired, I couldn't just let her be completely unschooled. There were times I had to say, sorry, you have to do this, and that's the way it is. And as much as I give her freedom, and she gets a lot of freedom as a homeschooled child, uh, there are also expectations, and it's... um, balancing that. I'm not going to make the way easy for her all the time. I will work with her bent. I will work with her interests as much as possible. But sometimes she just has to do it because I'm the mom and I know what she needs and that's the way it is. So I think homeschoolers um, can become snowplowers. I think They can fall into the same traps as parents who are obsessed with sending their kids to the right high school and getting them into the right colleges. They just do it through homeschooling instead of um, public school or private school. So homeschoolers are certainly not immune from this. I think parents who have a differently wired child um, can also be in danger of becoming snowplowers. Some accommodations are valid and absolutely necessary. If your child is gifted or twice exceptional or has 
um, dysgraphia, ADHD, dyscalculia, whatever it is, there are absolutely things that we need to do for those kids to help them. But we have to find the balance between helping our children navigate the world and also knowing that eventually we won't be there to help them navigate it any longer. They have to learn how to navigate it with their unique challenges without us. And it's probably going to be a long process. It's going to be a very long and incremental process. And the time to start is early. Um, you know, you don't prepare a child for college um, when they're in 12th grade. If they have special needs and they need um, the time to grow and adapt and learn how to, to um, take over more of the responsibility for themselves, that starts in middle school. And it's a slow incremental approach to getting them to the point where they know how to navigate their own special needs as effectively as possible. So some other thoughts on how to avoid um, snow plowing. And one of the posts I've written is about how I negotiate with my child. And um, this has always been important to us. We have always picked our battles carefully. There are very few hills that I'm willing to die on. It has to be super important. Safety is a hill I'm willing to die on. But, you know, as I've said, my child's an individual. She has a mind of her own. And so um, I try to work with that as much as possible. And part of that is I negotiate with her. We've taught her um, from a fairly early age to think win-win. When she wants something and I don't want it the same way, how do we think win-win? How do we both get what we need and or want out of the situation in a way that works for both of us? That's an important strategy. Um, I'm guessing that these parents who have snowplowed the way for their kids have not, not taught their kids how to think win-win. How do I get what I need and also meet the expectations of others? Um, starting to engage your child in these decisions from an early age. Um, I'm not trying to raise um, a super compliant adult. I'm trying to raise a responsible adult. I don't want her to be compliant to the wishes of everyone. I want her to be responsible. I want her to know how to negotiate. I want her to know how to state what she needs or what she wants and why she needs it or why she wants it and reach a, a compromise or an acceptable win-win with whoever she's in the situation with. She has her own mind and my goal is to help her learn how to use it effectively. I want her to be able to negotiate with her roommates or figure out how to solve a problem with food or whatever it is, um, not wait around expecting me to intervene and help her. So in conclusion, just, you know, think about how, where do you want to be with your kids in a few years? What can you do today? What are the steps along the way? Um, working backwards, the end goal is what? What do I want to see each year in between now and then? And I think making incremental steps. You don't have to snowplow the way. You take them on the journey with you, you get there together, and then you release them and allow them the joy of being a responsible adult who's well-prepared for the world that they're about to enter. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the A Quiet Simple Life podcast. Until the next time, I hope you will remember to focus on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things.